You're listening to audio from Highland Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. To find out more about Highland, go to www.hbcwaco.org. Well, I add my voice to the chorus of Happy New Year 2023 to all of you. Great to see you. Thank you for, for being here today. Over the course of the past 30 years or so, I've had the blessing of getting to travel internationally uh, fairly often, whether it be to speak at a pastor's conference, worship pastor's conference, maybe missionaries or leading, leading mission teams around the world. One of the fascinating things about traveling, and if you've traveled internationally especially, you've seen this before, is just the variances of, of cultures um, everywhere, and especially how different cultures are in other nations as compared to culture or the culture here in our own nation, here in the United States. In the U.S., we, we eat dinner around 6 p.m. or so. In, in Europe, in the Middle East, they begin dinner about 8 o'clock, and they'll eat all the way till 10 o'clock at night, which is like heartburn waiting to happen for me if I were to eat, eat that late. In the U.S., we, we teach our kids out of respect to make good eye contact with, with people. I, I drilled that into both of my kids, especially my son. You shake hands with a firm handshake, and, and you make good eye contact. But in Africa, uh, they teach their kids not to make eye contact because it would be disrespectful especially to look to someone older than you with, with direct eye contact. In the U.S., if a building is 100 years old, we say it's historic. Uh, in Europe, a 100-year-old building has just begun, like it's an infant building over there. In the U.S., being punctual, being on time is, is very important. That's not important anywhere else in, in the world outside of, outside of the U.S., punctuality. We, we, we grow up in a culture and we have these assumptions, we have these perceptions, we have these ideologies. And when we go to a different culture, to a different nation, we experience a different culture, uh, sometimes it can, it can be jarring, it can feel jarring, it can feel like things are, are upside down, it feels like there, there's cultural whiplash. But really, that, that's kind of the, the basis of the entire letter that Paul wrote to the church of Colossae. So with your copy of God's Word, would you go with me, please, to the book of Colossians. Colossians is the 12th book in the New Testament. We preached through this passage uh, back in July of last year, and so um, if you have slept since then, this may sound brand new to you. But we looked through Colossians chapter three last summer. This was actually from last July, but we're gonna see kind of that same thing that when you're living for Christ and you're living in Christ, the culture in which you live, that, that kingdom culture, it's so different than the culture that we see around us. There's a night and day difference between a non-Christian life or non-Christian culture and a Christ-centered life and a Christ-centered culture. Because you receive Jesus and the Holy Spirit moves in you, takes up residence in you, it transforms everything. The way that we live life, the way that we perceive life is completely different once we are in Christ Jesus. Everything changes. Your understanding, your thinking, your worldview, your actions, your reactions, your words, your attitude, your spending, your relationships, everything changes in you when you step into that relationship with God through Jesus. So when you're, when you're growing in Christ, you're realizing that, that, yes, your residence is here, but your citizenship is in heaven. When you're growing in Christ, you're realizing more and more that the culture in which we find ourselves today is not the culture of the kingdom. And so the way that we live life sometimes as a result, Christians, we live in a culture now, this kingdom culture that is jarringly different 
than the culture that we'll wake up to in our own nation tomorrow morning. Colossians chapter three is where we're gonna be in that chapter. Colossians chapter three is, is speaking about and how we learn to live a kingdom down, not, not culture up. And it just seems like a great chapter for us to be in at the beginning of, of 2023. Being in Christ changes how we live our lives because once we meet Jesus, or you can meet Jesus today, everything radically changes. Here's how God puts it. Colossians chapter three, let's begin verses one, two, and three. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So don't, don't miss the very first word of verse one, if. If. It's a fast reminder already that you're either a Christian raised to new life or you're not a Christian still living in the old dead life. So if is a very important qualifying word as this chapter begins, and if you have been raised in Christ, if you have been seated in new places, if you have been made new in Christ Jesus, here are some implications of that or even some applications of that. First of all, we see it in verse one. Seek the things that are where? Above. Where Christ is. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Another implication of being raised with Christ, an application of being raised with Christ, if you have been raised with, with Christ, is verse two, set your mind then on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. So you have these two big concepts kind of happening. They're competing concepts. We live, by the way, in the tension of these competing concepts all the time as believers. We, first of all, we see the word above. We see that in verse one, we see that in verse two, and then we see that concept of, of on earth in verse two. That's that concept of, of below. So you have this above and, and below. Now just a reminder, the, the story of the gospel is this, that Jesus lived and then he died, then he rose again, then he ascended back into heaven. And in Highland family, this is a good reminder to all of us today, Jesus is alive and well right now and is seated in his kingdom at the right hand of God. That is the seat of preeminence. Now, that is the seat of prominence. Now, we're below here on earth. Paul uses this all throughout chapter three, by the way, this, this above and below. So here we are uh, below at this time, but yet God's word is saying, yes, we're below on earth and Jesus is above, but the spirit instructs every believer in here today, verse one, to seek the things that are above, and to, verse two, again, set our minds on things that are above. So as Christians, our, our hearts are set on the king and the kingdom, which is so difficult because there's so many things around us all the time that are not of the kingdom. They're constantly ever before our hearts and ever before our eyes. Let's look at verse three again. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So when you become a, a, a Christian, the old you dies. You, you're changed at the deepest, most fundamental level possible. You die to yourself. You die to your old way of life. And now your new life is, verse three, look, hidden with Christ in God. Your life is now hidden in Christ. Which means, Christian, your life is wrapped up in Christ. It's, it's tucked away in Christ. Your life now has Christ 
out front and you are hidden behind him. So Christian, Jesus is not just a part of your life. He's not just some minor accessory attached to your life to try to improve your life. Jesus becomes our life. We see this in the very next verse. I hope your Bible's still open. Chapter three, verse four. Look at verse four says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. That might be a good thing to underline those few words in your Bible with a pen or a pencil. Christ, who is your life? I just think this is a part of Christianity that we don't understand. Or part of Christianity we don't seem to understand. So let me just say it again. Again, Jesus isn't just a part of your life. He's not just one more thing to add to your busy, pleasure-seeking life. He is your life. And he has to be your only life because we already noticed in verse 3, you're dead. So Christ is now our life. End of verse four, we will appear with him in glory. That's the end. When God is done and all of his work is ultimately completed, this is our future glory, Christian. It is where all this is headed. Glory, meaning the brilliance of God, the weightiness of God, that we will see that God. What Paul is saying here, as he's being led by the Spirit writing this out, is that Christians, we are, we are living in a kingdom culture now. We're living in that culture now, the culture of the king, the culture of the kingdom of God. And there's a lot I can say about that. Let me just give you three brief summations, if you don't mind, just a couple of concepts for you note takers out there. Number one, there's the kingdom of God. We've already seen this. That's the above. And there's the cultures of the earth. That's the below. And we see this again several times here in chapter, chapter three. We see there, here, above, below, heaven, earth. Paul is showing us again that tension in which all of us in this house, we walk all the time as believers in Christ, that tension of the two cultures, the two kingdoms, and how they're exactly opposite. Because of that, Christians, we, we live and we think and we behave differently than the rest of the world, differently than the rest of our nation, differently than the rest of Waco. Here's the second summation I'll give you from these first few verses. The kingdom of God begins not the moment you die, but the moment you receive Jesus. This is very important for us to understand um, our lives this week, our lives this coming year. The kingdom of God begins not when you die and enter into, into, into glory. That, that's, that's bad theology, by the way. To say that eternal life begins when you die or the kingdom of God, you step into that when you die. No, you receive that the moment you believe upon Christ. This is so important. Eternal life, the kingdom started the moment you believe that Christ was Savior and Christ was Lord. It doesn't just start in heaven, which gives this implication. You ready? Put your seatbelts on for this. We need to live like heaven people right now. Because we've already entered into the kingdom of God as people of God through Christ Jesus. We live in God's kingdom now. We are in the kingdom of God's culture now. Thirdly, Christian, we don't live culture up. We live kingdom down. Because listen, we're not going to, nor would we want to, bring this culture in our country, this culture in our world. We don't want to bring that up to heaven. Here's what we're praying for, that the kingdom of God would come to earth. We want to bring the culture of the kingdom of God down. We want the kingdom of God 
in Waco. We want the kingdom of God in our nation. We want the kingdom of God, the culture of the kingdom of God in all the nations of the, of the world. This is why Jesus prayed, and by the way, taught us to pray also in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, let your kingdom come. God, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So now Paul begins to tell us what it looks like to live in this kingdom culture here in our present cultures. Verse, verse five and verse six. Let's look at that. Colossians chapter three, verses five through six. And no surprise here, Paul doesn't mince his words. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. There's that tension again, heavenly, earthly. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And then Paul goes ahead and lists out those things. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, verse six, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. So, so verse five, let's look at the beginning of verse five again. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And then Paul tells us, in case we're wondering, what is earthly in me? Well, here it is. You, you can write these things down. Here, here are the, the, the cultural things. Here are the things that are lesser than the kingdom of of God. Here are the things that are base, and he lists all five of these. I, 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 you can underline these if you want to. We're going to look at each of these very quickly, individually. Sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry, and on account of all five of those things, what's coming? The wrath of God is coming. Let's look at those individually. First of all, sexual immorality. Probably don't have to describe what that is in our culture today. This is any kind of sexual sin. Any kind of sexual intimacy or sexual activity outside of the covenant relationship of a husband, male, and a wife, female. So, so pornography and affairs and infidelity and sex before marriage, Paul is saying, put those things to death. It's not the life of those who live inside of the kingdom. Second word he uses, impurity. This is anything that's dirty, anything that's vile, anything that's base, whether it be our speech or our actions or even our thoughts, anything less and the purity of God. Paul says here, put it to death. That that's not the, the life of one who is hidden in Christ. The third word he uses, the word passion. That this is an out of, out of control desire for ungodly things. Now let me just put on note, it is good to be passionate about things, but this is passion going in the wrong direction. Paul says, put it to death. Fourthly, he says, evil desires. These are longings or, or cravings or, or fantasies or addictions, compulsions that, that are godless. And, and they harm you. They harm others. They, they harm your testimony. They harm your relationships. They harm your marriage. They harm your family. Fifthly, covetousness. This is wanting what is not yours. Wanting what is not yours. We would say in our American culture, I want what they're experiencing. I want what they have. I want their lifestyle. I want their house. I want their looks. I want their trips. I, I want to live out what they're posting on Facebook. I, I want that. I would like to have that. In fact, have you noticed that all of the advertising, whether it be on TV or on, on social media or on, on, on computers, have you noticed that all advertising in America leverages that base part of us that wants what other people have. Mark my words. As you're watching football this next week, week and a half, watch all the advertisements in between the game. They're always leveraging for you to have something 
purchase something or experience something that other people have that you do not have. That's what advertising, marketing is all about in, in our nation today. They leverage that against us. And Paul says here, look what he says. He says, that's idolatry. I think he's saying all five of those things are idolatry because what is idolatry? Idolatry is loving anyone or anything more than God. But God's calling us here is to live this, this life of a kingdom of God life, not this present world culture life. So how many of you would, would say here today that those five words pretty much describe our nation? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness. I think that pretty much describes the culture around us. Does that sound like our nation? I'll answer it for you. It does. So what do we do? Well, Paul gives us this great encouragement here in, in verse 5. Put to death. Kill it, Paul says. Put it out. Put it away forever. How many of us try to wound our sin instead of kill our sin? How many of us try to just put our sin on a leash or, or cage our sin? What Paul is saying here is kill that sin. Note takers, you can write this down. Whatever it is that's in the process of killing your relationship with God, you've got to put that to death. Whatever it is that's fighting against your heart, fighting against your relationship with God, fighting against you growing in Christ Jesus, Scripture tells us here to put it to death. What you don't want to do is to keep your sin alive. Because if you keep your sin alive, you'll either keep going back to it or it'll keep coming back to you. And the problem is sin feels good. That's why it's so popular today. We pay a lot for it. We expend a lot of energy on sin. And that's why we keep going back to it. We've put a lot into that sin. We've put a lot into that habit. We've put a lot into that addiction. Therefore, we keep going back to it time and time again. And we even say things like, I like feeling angry. Or I like gossiping. Or I like getting drunk. I like porn. I like holding a grudge. God's spirit would come to God's people today in this house and would say to us, put it to death. Why? Here's a little motivation. Verse six, the wrath of God is coming. It's not here yet. It's like people playing on a train track thinking this is great until the train comes. The world and sometimes in our own hearts, we don't believe that God is actually gonna do anything about our sin. But you can write this down. God is not negligent. He's patient. He's patient with us because he even warns us here. Here's the grace of God. He warns us that the wrath of God is coming. So let's just stick with the analogy. God wants to give everyone an opportunity to get off the tracks before the train comes. And God is coming. And what the Spirit is asking us is what you're doing right now, what you're doing in life right now, will you be doing that also in the kingdom of God? If you're not going to be doing it in the kingdom, then stop doing it here because the point is those in Christ here today, we're already in the kingdom of God. Colossians 3, verses 7 through 10. In these, Paul is referencing those five words that he kind of wraps up by calling idolatry. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Then he, he lists out some more um, implications of those who do not walk in Christ or live in Christ. Anger and wrath and malice and slander and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with his practices and you have now put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. In other words, 
don't be like you, be like Jesus. And I know that goes against every Disney and Pixar movie that's out there right now. That the call is not for you to be more like you. The call is for you to be more like Jesus. So don't get up every morning in the mirror and say, man, I've just, I've got to be me. I mean, look where that's gotten us. No, look to Jesus every morning and say, I've got to be true to you, Jesus. I want to be like you, Jesus. I want to increasingly be more and more like you. And here's what happens if we're going to live like us. Instead of like Jesus, we see this list again. Paul loves making lists. That's why I love Paul. I'm a list maker also. He makes this list right here, and it's a culture below picture. It's an earthly culture he paints. He uses the word anger. This is when you're frustrated. You're, you're so annoyed, you, you lash out to people. You're, you're agitated, so you spew out your words, your angry, hurtful words. The word wrath here. Uh, this is, again, below culture. This is the kingdom of the earth, not kingdom of God. Uh, wrath is, I want to see someone pay. I want to see someone feel as bad as, as I do. I want to get even. I want to get him back or her back. Wrath really is just revenge. Malice. I'm not going to take it anymore. I'm going to have to say something about them. I'm going to have to make a plan of what I'm going to say to, to hurt them. What I'm going to do to, to hurt someone. Slander. I'm going to attack their character. Slander is when we speak ill of, of others. This is where we gossip. This is where we invite other people in so we can build up our army against them, which means we're making them a part of the, the problem, not a part of the solution. Then, then Paul says, obscene talk. We, we curse. We speak dark, disgusting things to others or about others. Then verse 9, kind of the last of the six things that are, that are base culture or earthly culture, lying. This is when you just make things up. You just rewrite history. It's not actually what was said. It's not actually what was done, but you put your spin on it. And that, again, pretty much describes our entire culture right now. Just think about it. Politically, socially, morally, spiritually. Put, put any issue out there on social media today. And what do you get? These six things. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk, and lying. This is stuff from below, church this is not stuff from above. When we enter the kingdom of God, and let me remind you again, Christian, you're there right now. We don't do life like that. We don't do relationships like, like that. You know how many times you're going to lie when you get to heaven? Zero. You know how many people you're going to gossip about in heaven? Zero. You know how many times you're going to be bitter at somebody in, in, in heaven and plot to hurt somebody in heaven? Zero. You know how many times you're going to plan revenge in heaven? Zero. Do you know where your citizenship is right now? Heaven. We're already there. So our task is, verse 10, let's go to Colossians 3.10. Our task, task then is, is to put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator, who is God. So our task here is to, to stay loyal to our king and stay loyal to his kingdom and we don't get sucked into this present corrupt culture. So Paul says, verse 10, put on your new self. Our old self, what is it driven by? Emotion. What is our new self driven by? A will. A will that's being, verse 10, renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. What that means is that your old self, your emotions drive you but now in, in your new self, in, in Christ Jesus, it is that will in charge saying, okay, I know how you're feeling, but what's the kingdom of God asking of you? We'll still have emotions, we'll still have passions, but now they're directed by our citizenship in the kingdom of God. They're now 
made decisions, the decisions made by the kingdom of God's spirit at work in your life. And so when you receive Jesus, you've got to literally start telling yourself, reminding yourself that you're a different person, joining a different nation, serving a different king. And as a result of that, you have this completely different identity in a different kingdom, not the culture of below, but the culture of above God's kingdom. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible is when Lazarus was sick. And so the sisters came into Jerusalem to tell Jesus that Lazarus was sick. Jesus kept teaching, kept performing miracles, and then got a message again that Lazarus had died. And so Jesus went down from Jerusalem, down the Kidron Valley, up the Mount of Olives, because Bethany is there on the east side of Jerusalem. And, and, and Jesus got there, and Lazarus was already dead. This is where we get, of course, the shortest verse in the Bible that Jesus wept. And then Jesus called forth, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus came out of that grave. But here's the deal. He was still wearing grave clothes. He, he still looked like Lazarus. In fact, the King James Version said, he stinketh when, when, he, when he came out. You can look it up. That's what it says. Like he looked bad. He smelled bad. He was still wrapped up in, in grave clothes. But here's the deal. Something miraculous had happened to Lazarus on the inside. He was dead. He was now alive, but he was still wrapped up in those grave clothes. Here's what I'm trying to remind all of us here today. When you step into Christ Jesus, something wondrous, something miraculous has happened. You were once dead. Now you are alive. Here's what I'm telling you, Highland. Take off your grave clothes. We can't just dress and behave and act like the rest of the world. That's how I used to think, but I don't think like that anymore. That's how I used to respond, but I don't respond like that anymore. That's how I used to act, but I don't act like that any, anymore. I'm taking off these grave clothes, and I'm going to live this new life as a new person, in a new identity, in this new culture. And ultimately, it culminates with this understanding. We're going to wrap up here that your identity is in the kingdom. Look at verse 11. Here. So fascinating. It begins with that word here. What does here mean? Here in this new life. Here in this kingdom culture. Here in the kingdom of God. There is not Greek and Jew or circumcised and uncircumcised or barbarian and, and, and Scythian. Just think uh, Scythians are even more barbarous than, than barbarians. Think, um, think LSU fans. Slave and, and free. But, but Christ is all and in all. I'll read that again without the joke. Here, there's not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and he is in all. The problem when it comes to our identity is that we usually define it by things here on earth. But verse 11, these, these various groups, they're at war with one another, constantly living in tension with with one another, the Greeks with the Jews, the circumcised with the uncircumcised, the barbarian, the Scythians, the slave versus the free. Uh, it's just like today, we would say that the young versus the old, the, the black versus the white, the brown versus the white, the Democrat versus the Republican, the rich versus the poor, whatever it is, that, that's saying that's my group and then you have your group. And, and my group is right and your group is wrong. And what happens is when we like, when we are only around people that we agree with, we start hating the other people, the great theologian Jonathan Edwards put it this way, if you idolize your group, you'll demonize the other. We're good, you're bad. But Paul is doing right here is inviting everyone in to Jesus. Reminding us that the kingdom of God changes labels. 
It creates this oneness among tribes and colors and language and nationalities, even sworn enemies. See, only the gospel can do that. Repenting of sin and believing on Jesus, it, it pulls us together into what? Into this one identity. And what is the identity? It's the very end of verse 11. Christ is all and in all. So your identity is in Christ. Your hope is in Christ. Your eternity is in Christ. Your righteousness is in Christ. Your joy is in Christ. Your citizenship is in Christ. Your all is in Christ. And here's what happens. I'll wrap up with this. When we get our identity from above and not below, Jesus becomes the center of everything. Then this becomes our identity. Not all these labels that we either wrap ourselves up in or give to others that almost always are based on the earthly culture, but instead this one title in Christ that comes from above. We live in a kingdom culture, Christian. We do not live, we should not live in the culture of this earth. Would you stand with me, please, and let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the king who made a kingdom culture possible. We thank you for a spirit that gives us the power to take off grave clothes, to take off the old self, that's so easily wrapped up with anger and malice and gossip and immorality and impurity and revenge, and wrath, and lying, and obscene talk. That's not who we are in Christ. So God, by your grace and by your Spirit's power, we want to live in Christ, in the kingdom's culture, with our, our eyes, our hearts set on the King. God, by your grace, can we live like heaven people this week in Waco? Can we live like heaven people this year? putting aside the old and taking up the new, being renewed in the knowledge after the image of our creator. God, this is how we want to live this year. The new self, the new kingdom, the new identity, this new culture, a culture of heaven, not a culture of earth. God, we're gonna need the Spirit's power and daily grace to do this renew our hearts after the image of our creator. In Christ we pray.